sometimes I sit in it, right? Sometimes I just have to (laughs) sit in it and say, okay, you did your best or did you do your best? Were there other things that you could have done to improve the outcome of what it is that you did? If there are, then you have to own that. Before we get into today's episode, we have a word from our sponsor, Mindset Shift. Have you ever told yourself, I don't think I can do this? They will never go for it. I'm not a good enough leader. The things you tell yourself that hold you back. Imagine if you could remove all those boundaries just by holding them up and actually looking at them, figuring out where they come from and how to tackle them. At Mindset Shift, that's what we do. We help innovative and ambitious leaders that want to make extraordinary things happen for their teams, for their business, for their culture, and for themselves. We help unlock their growth through actionable coaching, workshops, leadership development programs, or speaking engagements. We create foundational people over profit environments, the kinds where productivity and innovation soar culture, inclusion, and equity sit at the heart of operations. Are you ready to step out of the box and take your organization to the next level? Contact us today at www.mindsetshift.co.uk. Enjoy today's episode. On today's episode of Everyday Leadership, I have the pleasure of having a conversation with best-selling author, Visionary CEO, award winner of her radio show, The Woman Behind the Business Talk Show, as well as the, another award she won for Enlightenment, which is a black, the I Am Black documentary. Angel, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. I'm super excited to be here with you. And I appreciate it. You know, I know we just talked about you came on that today is normally your, your sacred day. You woke up right early just to do this, and we navigated and we pushed through and we made it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you know, it's all good. And when things are worth it and you say you're going to do something, you do it, you show up. So we're here. Yeah, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. I mean, you are someone who talks a lot about the power of storytelling and you help people get their voice out there. So today I want to hear about your story and your voice and your journey. And I guess let's go back to your Howard days, Howard University days. What were those days like for you when you were looking into journalism? So going to Howard was an amazing experience growing up in a very, it was a diverse community, but there were not a lot of Black people. Initially, like when I started elementary school, there was like one other family that I could remember. So Howard gave me the opportunity to really immerse in the African-American culture. And yeah, I mean, it was a very powerful experience in that regard. Regarding academia, it was just, it was a great experience, like all around phenomenal faculty, and then just a diverse level of personalities, I think really helped prepare me for the real world. In what way? So I had a situation like when I was in college where I really look at it as a a very pivotal moment in my life. So growing up in an area where, like I said, it was not a lot of us, 
I had never experienced racism. And when I got to Howard, there was definitely an encounter that I was very shocked took place. But colorism within the African-American community, I think some people think that it's not real and it like doesn't exist, but it really does. And I just, I had an experience with that where I never really thought about it, but a lot of my friends were lighter skin, lighter complexion. And at one point, one of the guys that we were friends with was like, why do we hang out with her? Like, she's super black, like she's super dark. And it was, and it really made for like a, wait, what a second? Like, this is real, this is real life. This ain't no movie. And it's my life that it's happening to. And so when you go through things like that, I think it definitely makes you stronger if it doesn't break you. And it just helped me to become more aware that everybody doesn't always have your best interest at heart. Everybody sees you differently, but you have to be secure in who you are and make sure that you always show up as your best self so that incidents and situations like that don't break you or don't make you alter who you are because you know I'm trying to think I may have been 17 at the time that that happened and you know for a 17 year old that's away at college and who may not be secure in who they are or have like self-esteem issues that could really have been a detrimental experience for me it was just like, oh, wow, let me take some steps back, reevaluate how I'm showing up. I'm not going to say be a little bit more guarded, but that self-protection definitely kicked in at an early age. So, How did you respond to that guy that said that in that situation? Oh, I was ready to fight. All the Detroit was about to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it all the way 100 with you. All of Detroit was ready to show up, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm a lady, you know, so there was no fighting. But I think there was an expectation, even from the, the girls that I was with when the incident happened, that I think I even learned what my expectations are from my friends in that moment. Yeah. So it was a very, very pivotal and valuable experience that happened. And like I said, I was just able to learn a lot about myself. Yeah. I mean, the way you just described that being that young, being away from home and being in that kind of environment, I can see that knocking a lot of confidence out of people very, very easily and just forcing you to retreat and shy away from other people. It seems like you kind of took it from a completely different perspective. Like, okay, I'm going to learn from this and learn how to move and operate and grow through this. Don't get me wrong. I definitely retreated. From everyone, no. From them, yes. But it definitely required some time of Mm self-reflection and just making sure that I took the time because I'm a very loving person. and it now takes a lot more for people to get really close to me. I have a friend who tells me, Angel, you really don't have a lot of friends because you really don't let people that close. You let them in just enough. They may think that you guys are like this, 
But in your mind, there's so many boundaries um, that you establish that like you really don't have friends. You have like lifetime associates. And when I think of it like that, I guess there is some truth to it because I do feel like with a friend, you should be able to call them without reservation and ask for help if you need help. Or I have a hard time with that. And that may just, again, be the way that I was raised. And like, people have expectations. If you ask people to help with this, they're going to expect something or, you know. So I don't know. There's so many levels to me. I know I'm a little complex, but I'm a great person. Well, we're all complex. <laughs> Every single one of us, we all have different layers to us. And I think there's also a level of knowing yourself and having that self-awareness to be like, actually, I have lifetime associates. That's just how I, I operate. You owning it and knowing your truth is very, it's a radical honesty, which is quite good. Yeah. Oh, no, I know my <laughs> truth. <laughs> that I know. If I don't know nothing else, I know my strengths and I know areas that need to be improved upon. So, yes. And I'm and I'm authentic with it. I'm very transparent with it. I don't try to show up and be like, oh, I got it all together and my life has been no, I feel like that's where um people start to create the notion that your life is perfect, you know, and they may want to live vicariously through you, right? But the reality is whether you're a celebrity on daytime television, you hear them on the radio or whatever. We all have things that we go through. We all have situations that have made us reevaluate ourselves and every single one of us. So if at any point you see someone and it just seems like, oh, they have the perfect life or, oh, they have all the money. And if I could just have that. No, honey. Mm -mm. We all got something. And just because you have money doesn't mean that you're happy. So how do you define happiness? I believe that happiness is when you have a certain peace within you, where there's a certain stillness, where you're not trying to outdo anyone else. You're not worried about anyone else, but within yourself, you're happy. I think one of the greatest lessons that I've learned is that a lot of times people look for happiness in other people. and. I think that's why certain relationships fail because if that person lets you down, if if you are completely reliant on someone else to fulfill you, if they go wrong or they go rogue or they decide they want something else, people become broken. They start going through depression and all types of um, situations. And I feel like if you show up as your best self, you are confident and comfortable with who you are. You're able to walk in your truth. I feel like those are all characteristics that are are required to really make relationships work, whether it's a friendship, whether it's marriage, whatever, because like I said, I just feel like so many people don't know who they are and they don't know how to define and find their own happiness. And again, for me, that happiness is that inner peace where I feel fulfilled and what Angel does. I feel, I feel fulfilled with how I show up, what I accomplish. Like the accomplished part is really big for me, right? Like if I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything, if I feel like <laughs> I can go a week and if I feel like, well, what have I done this week? 
and I feel like there's nothing. I start to feel bad about myself, but there's a certain standard for excellence, a certain standard for success that I deem important. I don't care how anybody else feels about it or how they look and view me and what I do. But for me, my footprint, when I look over not just my lifetime, but like I said, a week, like today I'll go through like, okay, Angel, what did you accomplish this week? Are you deserving of a sleep in day? You know, but being able to look at what matters to you, giving yourself grace if you fall short, but then also rewarding yourself when you show up. And I feel like that's, for me, that's a part of my happiness because those are all things that I can control. There's so many things in life that we have zero control over. Other people, how they show up, what they do for us, you can't do that. You have to focus on what I can do for myself. And truth be told, like how I show up for me, how I pamper me, how I speak to myself, speak over myself, all of these things, other people can get a sense of. And those, and that's partly how they're going to treat you. If you treat yourself like, oh, whatever, I'm fly by night, I'm whatever, then the next person will look at you and be like, oh, I can treat this person any kind of way. And nine times out of 10, you allow it. The levels of respect that you have for yourself will determine the level of respect that you allow other people to give to you and to show you, but you need to be able to do that. But then again, there's a flip side to that. It's based on what you were talking about. When you can easily go down the route of, oh, I haven't accomplished anything today, so you're down on yourself. And you start talking to yourself in a very negative way because you're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish or things aren't moving the way that you want them to move and you just keep them feeling down, which then leaves you going down a very negative spiral, which can then lead to depression and things like that. So how do you balance that up to make sure that you don't go down that side of things? Great question. So I think there's a little bit of disappointment that comes over anyone when you feel like you've set out for a particular goal or you've set out to accomplish whatever that is and it doesn't happen the way that you want, right? And for me, sometimes I sit in it, right? Sometimes I just have to (laughs) sit in it and say, okay, you did your best or did you do your best? Were there other things that you could have done to improve the outcome of what it is that you did? If there are, then you have to own that. And you have to say, okay, well, this was the outcome. And I could have done better. I could have put in more time or effort to get a different outcome. But allowing yourself, again, the grace to know, okay, well, next time I can do this better. Now, if there are no next times, then you have to, again, you have to sit in that and take ownership of whether it was lack of preparation, whether you were just going too hard and doing too much that caused a particular situation to occur. I guess the best way for me to do this is to give you an example. So I did a TEDx talk in May and it was a lot going on because May, the kids were still in school. You're in the midst of COVID-19. So the pandemic is still very real. It's still real right now. 
And so I'm still teaching my kids from home. I'm still running a business and I'm also preparing for this TED Talk. And my TED Talk is all about this methodology that I use to make sure that I stay balanced, right? And I don't like talking about myself, but I told myself, okay, well, maybe it's time to share some of the things that I do because I'm often asked, how do I do it, right? And when I delivered the talk, I wasn't happy with it. I wasn't happy with the delivery. And a lot of it is angel. Like my standard for excellence is through the roof because I knew that I could have done a better job. I had a point where there were a couple different times where I felt like I messed up. People have watched it and were like, eh, you can't. I mean, it just makes you human. But for me, it's like, no, I messed up. Like I don't get on stages and mess up. Right. And so, It's taught me, and this is just a very recent one because it just came out on YouTube, (laughs) that I showed up, I still delivered. Could it have been better in my mind? Yes. But did I do it? Did I execute it to the best of my ability in that moment? Yes. And so being able to just live with that situation and say, okay, well, you know, I showed up, I did it, I delivered, I did the best that I could. Could it have been better? Absolutely. If circumstances were different, but these are the circumstances that I'm in. Like I have two children, they're seven and eight. And at the time they were six and eight. And, you know, I had a lot of other things to do. And as a single mom, everything is on me to make sure that they're being executed. So like I said, like making sure there's money coming in, making sure the kids are good and still stepping out and doing other things that are important to me, again, there just has to be a level of grace that you allow yourself. And that speaks a lot to, I speak to mothers all the time and obviously I'm married as well, around how do I balance being a mom and running a successful business and being there and supporting them physically, emotionally, mentally, while also still growing my business and taking it to levels I want to do. And as a single mom and a business owner, how do you juggle that? So it's all about my journey to actually becoming a mother. I'm an overachiever. I'm not even just a high achiever. I'm an overachiever. I can admit that, right? So career goal orientation and all of that, like I have that, that's down, right? The parenting part for me, I think if my story did not go the way that it did, probably would be a lot different. And what I mean by that is I had a number of miscarriages before I was able to have my kids. And because of that, I believe my truth is I had to go through kind of like this breaking of angel so that I could be the mother that my children would need me to be because I'm so driven. I'm so progressive when it comes to, I'm going to get this accomplished. I'm going to do this. That I know is going to get done, but making sure that I was taking the time to spend with my children, being intentional with my time, being understanding, being expressive, being transparent with like who I am, how much can I really give of myself being transparent with my kids of 
be, this is who your mom is, you know, taking them with me. So they understand me. I think those are all a part of what I was talking about with my Ted talk. I developed this quiet method where it's quality time over quantity. And I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, I have to just be around my kids. Well, you can be around them. You can be on your laptop. You might be working while they're playing football or whatever's going on. But if your presence really isn't there, they don't really have your attention. You're really not there, right? And so making sure that you allocate quality time with them, that's intentional, right? The you and quiet is understanding, giving yourself grace, being understanding to the fact that you're going to mess up. I'm not going to tell you you might. No, you are. You're going to mess up in some capacity or another. And that reality is, okay, but how do I show up differently next time? How do I do a better job at being there for my kids at work, whatever that looks like? And then that intentionality is the I. Like, how are you allocating the time? How are you setting that time? You know, so the same way that you go for that important meeting, you put it on your calendar. The same way you might have an appointment to be on a podcast, you put it on your calendar. You have to have that same level of intentionality with spending time with your family, spending time with your kids. Make room for what's important to you, right? Expressive is being expressive, articulating how you feel, but also listening and having a very loving ear and how you listen. Most times when people are listening, they're listening with their rebuttal in mind, right? They're not necessarily listening with their heart where they're able to understand where that person is coming from. They're ready to clap back real quick. But if you take that time to really be like, okay, I at least understand where you're coming from. You know, it matters. And then last thing is the transparency. I think during COVID, it was one of the most difficult times that we've had to live through. And when you have small children, A lot of times you're like, well, is this worth me really explaining to them? Because money might be tight. The things that you were able to do before, you may not be able to do anymore. And unless you're very honest and transparent with your kids, like, yo, mommy pocketbook not looking like it used to. So, you know, we got to fall back on these family vacations. We got to fall back on whatever it is. Then it makes, I think, for their emotional intelligence to be heightened because now they're not just. They understand, you know, and I think a lot of times we don't give kids the credit of their resilience and how smart they are. I think we're trying to protect them so much. And so for me, using those five things to make sure that I kind of cross check myself, that I don't overwork myself because I would, and I can admit that, you know, I know that if I could just go sit in a room and crank out work, I would. But I also have to know that, hey, Angel, you got to go, whether it's an hour a day where you just allocate, I'm just going to hang out with my kids and not feel bad. And for me, I don't feel bad if I know that I have done something with my kids. I've spent a certain amount of time with my kids. But then I also let my kids know, hey, yeah, you want to go on that trip? Or, hey, you want that new book bag? Mommy has to go to work. So... So you're constantly talking to them so they know why you do what you do, but you're also involved with them in the whole process. I love that. Quiet. Yeah, it's really good. One thing you said previously was 
the breaking of Angel. How did you have to get broken? Why did you have to get broken? Two parts to that, right? Because I'm very, I'm not going to say I'm selfish, but I'm very driven with what my goals are and what I want to accomplish and making sure I'm fulfilling my purpose while I'm here on earth. Because that's so strong, I believe that if I did not go through the broken part of me being in my valley moment where I had five miscarriages. So with each of those losses, there was a breaking of angel. There was a breaking of my thought process around what was important. And so because of that, it it gave me a renewed sense of importance. And I believe that that is what has catered to my ability to show up differently for my kids. I believe that that took the selfishness away, took the, well, what's really important is me going out here, getting this money and doing all of these amazing things, right? Because now I make sure that I set aside time. Example, you know, I love giving examples. So when I first knew that I was actually going to carry my first son to term, what was important to me in that moment and how my mind was thinking, I was thinking about things. I no longer wanted to clean my house. Now this is before the baby got here. This is something I literally had this discussion with my ex-husband. So yeah, I'd rather pay to have a maid or a housekeeper come in to do the deep cleaning of the home. Why? I want to make sure I have that time with my kids. I work too hard to bring this child into this world. So. I want to make sure that I take account of what's important. And for me, what was important was instead of scrubbing a tub, I can be bathing my child, you know, instead of paying a nanny to do that for me. You see what I mean? So my priorities around parenting shifted going through those breaking periods. Those breaking periods, did you ever lose faith after five miscarriages? No. Let me tell you about that. (laughs) I did not. The funny thing is, if anything, I would say it strengthened my faith. (sighs) And going through it, I believe there was a reason why it was happening. And so what my prayer would be is, because I had people telling me like, like my mother, well, maybe you're not supposed to be with that man you with. And that's why you're not, you know, going to turn with it. Like, I mean, I would hear all types of things, you know, I had all types of things coming at me. Right. And, you know, it was like, okay, well, how much truth is there to this? And, you know, what's this and what's that? But for me, it was, it gave me time to self-reflect. It gave me time to be like, okay, well, what am I doing? Even though you shouldn't put it on you because it's out of your control at the end of the day. Like you can't control if you have a miscarriage. But for me, it was like, okay, well, what am I doing to cause this? Or what is the reason this keeps happening? Timing could just be wrong, but my faith never, I never like lost faith. I remember After the fourth miscarriage, actually after the third, I had to start going to a specialist. So after the fourth time I lost the baby, 
they pulled me in and they're like, you know, you might want to consider science to help you. You know, you might want to consider having in vitro or, you know, whatever. Now, not taking anything away from anyone that has had to go that route because whatever you decide and however you get to your end, that's your decision, right? And it's a beautiful choice, whatever you do, because you got your baby. For me, I knew that wasn't my truth. After the fifth time, they sat me down and they started writing out prices. <laughs> and they're like, the reality is, you've had five losses. The possibility of you having a child on your own and going full term, I think it was like less than like 5%. I'm going to say somewhere between 5 and 15%, right? Very low. And I'm still in my 20s wow. when this was happening. Let's throw that out there. And so I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Like, but when I left out of there, the reality for me was I didn't accept what was being said. Like, it was just, okay, yeah, that's not the reality of like, what is my life? Like, I'm not going to accept that as my truth. So yeah, in that regard, no, my faith never withered because of the circumstances. No. It's powerful to hear how even in those situations when you're being told this is what you're right, it looks like by your doctors, you're like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on pushing through. It wouldn't have been easy, especially when you talked exactly. about family, having their thoughts and their statements and having that around you when you need support, but you're getting the complete opposite. It's making you question yourself as well. Yeah, no, pretty much. When you look at your journey as a... Uh, I'm going to call it us CEO of DC Media um, Connection, the woman behind the business. What's been your biggest lesson you've learned so far? I would say learning how to pivot and being okay with transitioning. I think sometimes we go into business with an idea in mind of this is what I'm going to do. People are going to love this. Everybody's going to like want what I'm providing, whether it's a product or service, right? then everybody doesn't want it and everybody doesn't want you. And so knowing that you don't have to be tied to that initial idea of why you went into business, taking the time to say, okay, what am I really good at? What do people come to me for? And how can I be of service to other people? So having the mindset that I can shift I can add on or I can detract from what I'm offering, but ensuring that whatever it is that I'm doing, whatever it is that I'm providing people, that it's beneficial to them. And it's not all about you and all about what you deem as necessary for your business, like just being able to pivot. So I would say that is the greatest lesson that I've learned. Did that come out of your experience with AARP because you were one of the youngest um, directors running that and obviously they had a restructure and you were let go of. So that pivoting attitude and way of approaching things come from that experience and then flow into your business or if you, did you develop that while you were business with them? I think it actually started even before then. One of the greatest lessons that my dad taught me was that at any given time, to your point, like with AARP and 
you know, them shifting the direction in which the organization was going. At any given time, you can be the star of the show, but if you have someone above you that's responsible for paying you, they can decide, hey, we no longer need your services. You've been a, a, a thrill to work with, but this is it. This is your last day. So growing up with my dad kind of ingraining that in us, like you have to have a plan B. You have to have something that nobody can take away from you. That mindset I've always had, right? So outside of having that mindset and going into business, because both of my parents are entrepreneurs and have small businesses, I not only was told certain things, but I was able to watch certain things. So even before I went into business for myself and understood the importance of being able to pivot, the importance of being able to say, okay, these numbers not looking like what I want them to look like. What can I do? And sometimes you can't be afraid to just throw some ideas out there, go after them because you don't know what's going to take off. You don't know what's going to be that thing that is inside of you. You have that idea and it's just like, yo, like the fear of execution and the fear of failure. And so a lot of times people be like, oh my God, what are you doing now? Like, what are you creating now? Like what? It, but for me, it, if I get the idea and I feel as though God has provided me with provisions to manifest it, then why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I execute it? Yes, a part of it is pivoting, but uh, another part of it is if this can make somebody's life better, if this can really help other people and taking me out of it and looking at it from the benefit of others, why wouldn't I do it? I'm curious, what do you see as, what's your purpose? What's your calling? I believe that I'm a healer, if that makes sense. Like, I believe that I have the ability to look at cer certain situations, see where people are kind of hurting, um, especially as it relates to them finding their purpose and finding their passion and owning it and walking in it, that I help people actually reach that goal. And once they reach it or once they see it, it kind of heals this part of them where they feel like they haven't been doing enough. or they're stuck. Like a lot of my clients have been working nine to five and they just want to, they just want a side hustle. They don't even necessarily know if they're ready to jump full stream into entrepreneurship. Right. But they just feel like they don't have the time. They feel like, okay, well, you know, I got a husband, I got these kids, I got work. But there's this burning desire in them for more. And they feel like their life purpose is more than how they're able to show up in this moment. And so typically when they come to me, it's like, how do you do it? Because you make it look so easy. And I'm like, I'm just in the midst of it. I'm ingrained in it. I'm going through it. You have no idea what it looks like on the back end. You just see the front part, right? You just see the external. They often have a sense of fulfillment after they say, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to step out. And even if I just do a little bit of it, 
just to see if I can work without making a huge investment and all that. And so I think a part of them becomes healed because now they're not living with regret. Now they're not living with what if, because that burning desire that resides within people to move in a particular direction or to have a certain level of success or they have this idea and they're like, yo, I just really want to try it, but their surroundings may not be supportive of it. And so I always tell people, you have to be careful with who you share your dreams with. There are certain times that, you know, my spiritual side, like God gives you a vision. If he didn't give it to Tom, Dick and Harry, they may not understand it and they may wallow you out of moving forward. And so sometimes just being able to protect that guidance or that voice that you're hearing that says, move forward, do this. But sometimes you got to move in silence to really, you know, make progress. Are there things right now that you've got in your heart, in your mind that you're thinking about that you want to bring to the world that you haven't done? Like right now, I feel like most of those things I've executed or I'm in the process of executing. So Most recently, I launched a platform that will allow people to come in and take certain courses. It's called The Eclectic Entrepreneur. And so people can go in and they can learn about branding. They can learn about like starting your business. You can, there's courses as little as like one hour. And then some of them are eight weeks long. So just depending on like where you are and what you're looking for. And again, this was just kind of like this idea of, I have all this content. I have all this information. Why wait until I'm on a show or on a stage to share it with people? Package it up, make it available for people to just go in and at their leisure, take the courses. The other part of like the direction I'm moving is doing more opportunities to be able to share what I know. I feel like when you've studied and you've gone through so many different things, you've worked with amazing people, you have so many life lessons that you've learned. And I feel like this goes for anybody. You should want to share it with other people to help them so they don't have to go through certain hurdles that you had to overcome or just be there to give them guidance. And so that's really where I'm headed, whether that's in another TV show more radio programming or just being on other people's platforms to be able to share that. I'm just thinking, let's just let's dream big for a minute. Is there one platform that you love to be on to share your story? That I love to share my story, you said? Yeah. Is there one particular show, platform, person you want to sit down with? Someone that'd be like, you know, I want to sit down with that person and just share my story. <laughs> this is, and I don't want this to sound bad, but I want to share my story on my terms. And on my own platform, I don't necessarily feel like I have to be on Ellen or, you know, the morning, the morning America or some major network or a platform to share my story. I think that me learning how to share my story and knowing that I'm very authentic, but sometimes it's uncomfortable you know, to talk about you when I can talk about, you know, hey, this is how you brand. Hey, this is how you start a business. I can walk you through that without any emotion. But when you move into a space where it's time for you to start sharing the journey from A to B, 
and you know where you are in this moment that's a very different beast to to be able to release and to share openly yeah i just don't i don't feel like i have to do it on somebody's show for it to be significant or for it to matter because even if it's on my own platform or on your platform or wherever as long as the message is being shared as long as i can be truthful with what i'm saying and not feel like it's going to be misconstrued or people are going to take it a particular way. At the end of the day, I can't worry about that. It's just, it just has to be what it is. That response for me from, speaks to, I guess, what we've talked about a lot today, which is around authenticity. Just being real, just you being like, you know what? I just want to share my story and doesn't have to be on a particular medium with a particular person because then it's about the person, about the platform taken away from what I'm trying to do or showcase, which is... Or it becomes more about me, right? Like I said, I don't like sharing my story because it's about me. But the message of the story Mm -hmm. is what is powerful. The message of the story is not about me. And that's why I'm able to share it. But sometimes when you go on certain platforms, the person that in my mind is merely the vessel to share what they've been through to help others, sometimes it, they take it to be about them. And then so it's all like that person is being like glorified, like, oh my God, I don't need all that. And me getting out of my way to make sure that I'm always sharing from a place of honoring how I made it through certain situations and that it wasn't just about me, but my faith, my determination, my confidence, all of these different things is what led me to be able to share that, that journey with people. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And I can attest to your determination because it took us half an hour to get here today. Just trying to make this thing work, but we got there. And that was determination right there. So I can definitely see that coming through. On your journey, I'm sure you've made mistakes. Would you be open to sharing what one of the biggest mistakes you've made and how you learned from it? Sure. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that I made is not setting boundaries. When it comes to business, especially when you're starting out, a lot of times you're just like, you're trying to get the client. You know, you're like, whatever I got to do for this $100,000 contract or whatever I got to do for this, whatever your contract value is. Sometimes you put too much emphasis on like showing up and being like, I can do this. And oh yes, I can do this. And you know, clients are calling you in the middle of the night. Clients are emailing you. And because you start a particular way, how you start something, you must finish something. So if you start off, you know, your client emails you at 2 a.m., you grab the phone because you're so excited. Like, hey, girl, like, yes, I can get that to you right away. And you're responding in that manner. That's what they're going to expect. Because you've set that precedent that this is how you work. And I've had that happen. Actually, one of my very first clients. And I was like, yo, like, I didn't realize this was going to be how things were going to be the duration. It was a year-long contract the duration of the contract. So those boundaries are really key. I would say another thing that I learned from that, just because you set those parameters 
doesn't mean that you're not delivering excellent service to the client. And I had to learn that. I thought that being available around the clock was excellent. And it wasn't because at the end of the day, you're not paying me for around the clock service. You know what I mean? Like I'm not doing this by the hour. Like you have kind of like a flat fee. So if I set certain parameters in place to ensure that I have a life outside of your contract. So I would say, yeah, those boundaries are real. Set boundaries. I think it's always one of the hardest things to do when you first start out, isn't it? Because it's either it's, I want to impress that client because it's a reputational thing. It's my first one or first two. Therefore, I want to go over and above and beyond. But like you said, you're setting the standard by you doing that. And it's been intentional, but like, you know what? I need to be, create the, um, the boundaries for my clients so they know what they can and can't do. But also when they're going out and telling other people about you, they're not telling them this is what the person does because then you get more clients coming your way who expected the same service and they start comparing, well, you did this for me. Why don't you do that for that person? And creates a whole mess sometimes. It does. And when you decide to put your foot down and say, okay, look, you know, you're not going to be able to reach me at 2 a.m. anymore. You're not going to be able to email me all times of the night and expect a response. You can do whatever you want to do. That's what works for you. Cool. But don't expect a response from me in a quick manner if it's in the middle of the night. And in my case, when I shifted, and when I set that bound, those boundaries, the client was like, well, what's wrong with you? You acting funny. And da, 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 da. and it was just like, no, I'm just creating parameters that I need you to stay within. And she ended up like letting, like ending the contract with us. But I was, ha- you have no idea how happy I was that happened. We fulfilled what the goal was. And then literally like two weeks later, she was just like, this isn't working. Greta's been not working for me, but I still showed up. I still executed what you needed. But yeah, that was a that was my lesson learned from that. Two a.m. I was contacting you at two a.m. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, and call not just emails. She would call wow. at two a.m. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a whole thing. But you learn, you know. <laughs> and I did it again since. <laughs> How do you define leadership? Something or someone who exudes it, but then helps other people reach a certain level of being a leader. I think sometimes leaders are threatened by others who they see certain characteristics or certain traits of themselves in that person, and they become um, intimidated. I think when you can take that kind of what I would say is actually an insecurity that they're going to outshine you or they're going to do something better, that you embrace that person, show off their strength. I don't think that having a strong army around you is a bad thing. If I see someone who is better at, let's say, marketing than I am, if I want to go after a particular client, And I know that this person is better than me, but I can get this person. I'm going to go and talk to that person and say, hey, would you like to collaborate with me? And not feel threatened by that. I think sometimes you just have to, as a leader, allow other people to shine and not, like I said, be intimidated by what someone else can do. 
let them know like, yo, you're great at this. Like keep going. Like, especially if they don't seem to really grasp how great they are. So to me, that's what a, a leader looks like is someone who's not intimidated by others, but really wants to grow them, really wants to push them to be their best selves. Where can people tap more into you and your work? So they can learn more about me on the Eclectic Entrepreneur's website. The website is tee.dcmediaconnection.com or on my website, angelandlibeth.com. And of course, you can follow me on all my social media platforms. It's funny, I just changed all of my social media handles to the Angel Nicole. It's T H E E Angel Nicole. And it's literally on everything from LinkedIn to Twitter to Instagram to Facebook. All those links will be in the show notes. And I highly recommend that you delve into what Angel has to offer. There's a lot of business experience and she's doing a lot of amazing things, especially for women in business. And it's just been great just listening to some of your story. That's a little taste of your story on today's podcast. So I really appreciate you giving up your time to talk. Absolutely. This is Everyday Leadership. I'll see you next week.